Welcome to the Memora Health Care Delivery Podcast. Through conversations with industry leaders and innovators, we uncover ways to simplify how patients and care teams navigate complex care delivery. Hi, everyone. This is Jamie Colbert, Senior Vice President of Care Delivery for Memora Health and host of the Care Delivery Podcast. I'm joined today by Rick Moreland, a seasoned healthcare executive who has served in leadership roles at Stanford, Adventist, and Dignity Health. Rick, would you mind introducing yourself to our listeners and sharing a brief overview of your background? Yeah, thank you. And appreciate the opportunity to speak with you today. I started my healthcare career, interestingly, as a technician in the operating room for the better part of 10 years in the open heart and transplant surgical arena. That is where I got my start into not only clinical healthcare delivery, if you will, but then also I was able to start my leadership journey from there in terms of taking over different responsibilities and units within acute care, moving forward into further leadership roles, then really overseeing both clinical operations and administrative operations to include ASCs and construction projects and service line development. So had a, or have a long tenure in service line development, cancer, cardiac, radiology, ED, women's services, just to name a few, not to include FQHCs and clinics. So I've been in healthcare over 25 years and have been in multiple aspects of that healthcare delivery. Tell me, going back to earlier in your career, what was it that drew you to choose a career in healthcare? Yeah, I have a passion for taking care of people, I think. And I think you need that in order to, to continue to understand and deliver patient care, if you will. And so that is, I think, why I did it. As I grew in healthcare, I began to understand and want to provide what I could do for people on a larger scale in terms of access to care. And so that's why I went into leadership and service level development to improve that access to care for patients and influence that from just maybe a one-on-one sort of clinical basis to uh, being in a leadership role or roles to have that access uh, or be able to help with access for many patients to access the delivery care system. Excellent. And I know you've had a number of different roles over the 25 plus years that you've worked in healthcare. As you look back over your career, what are some of the core themes that emerge? Kind of how do you tell that narrative of what has been consistent for you despite taking on different roles at a few different institutions? Yeah, that's a really great question. I think some of the common themes that I've seen and a bit of part of improving, if you will, is that lack of access to care. The healthcare delivery is complex, right, in terms of accessing it from a patient standpoint. And so I think that's very prominent no matter what role I've been in. I think also a lack of resources in one way or another in every role that I've been in and addressing that, whether it's staffing or a lack of um, specialists and or positions or even mid-levels. And so those just name a few uh, common themes. I would also say that that cost and the rising of cost uh, also is prevalent in every single organization I've been in. And, and that trickles down, of course, to the patient, right? So that just names a few. 
I couldn't agree more that some of the core themes you have articulated are ones that myself as both a practicing physician as well as somebody who's worked in health technology right, has seen just time and time again. As we unpack this, let's start with access to care because I, I agree that is such a critical challenge that our system doesn't do a very job of addressing. What have you done over your career in the space of helping to improve access to care and what has been successful? This too is a great question because it's very complex and in a high level tough. So I would say a couple of out of the box things that that myself and our and my teams do is partner, for example, with managed care organizations to provide in partnership transportation, right? Because for for some groups of patients, populations, if you will, transportation is tough and or accessing healthcare from the outside in, partnering with our managed care organizations for things like transportation and or those social determinants that that are barriers to access to regular healthcare meeting visits and or checkups, if you will. So that's kind of what I would say out of the box initiative that that I've seen be a success for patients. And also I would say that how we treat our patients in terms of meeting them where they're at and what they need to access healthcare, whether it's text res- registration, it's pre-registration, it is having maybe labs done closer to home, especially if they're traveling and then integrating that work into uh, our health system because we have people come from several hundred miles away even to receive care. So really trying to put the care where patients are to make sure that they're successful and we're successful in getting what we need. So those name a few. That's awesome. I know you mentioned some of the challenges that patients face that are related to social determinants. And this is something that many health systems struggle with. In some of the organizations that you've worked with, how have you tackled that issue of identifying those social barriers, whether they're the transportation barriers you mentioned or financial barriers or food challenges that patients are having? You know, what do you think is viable way to gather this information so that we on the healthcare delivery side have a more complete understanding of what some of those challenges are that patients are facing. Interestingly, in two ways, I would say two two main ways is first, when we see the patient, uh, whether it's through the emergency room inpatient and or in the clinic setting, we try and understand to, we try and understand from the patient what are their um, barriers to access, uh, number one. So that is kind of in-person, in right, is what I'm describing. And then also we, we do work with um, our managed care um, and or insurance uh, partners as they are their members and they want to see their patients as successful from that side to um, also understand what their barriers are. And then we come together and put in solutions together and or separately to have patients more easily access care. It's partnerships. And then with our with our community partners as well, they're definitely a part of this, whether it's transportation, food insecurity, housing insecurity, and those resources. And really the three entities there is what I've been successful, I feel, in terms of the communities that I've served and with regard to partnerships. That's great. Can you tell me about one particular community organization that you worked with? 
mentioned kind of how did you create that bridge between the health system and the community organization? Yeah, I would say partnerships with, yes, of course, churches, but with like organizations like Catholic Charities and or food banks, I think are two great organizations. The Salvation Army is a fantastic partner as well. I would also say that even your local elected officials have also partnerships that they want to see successful in terms of helping patients too. But those are just just a few. That's right. No, I couldn't agree more that there just are so many opportunities out there for stronger partnerships between the hospital systems and you know, faith-based, non-faith-based government organizations. Um, so it's nice to hear you kind of naming all three of those types of community organizations, because I, I agree, I think they all play an important role. Now, you also mentioned some of the resource challenges that you've dealt with over your career. Can you talk to me about how do you think about solving some of these challenges, particularly when it comes to either staffing, whether that's nurses or other clinical staff members who, especially over the past couple of years, it's been hard to retain, as well as challenging to recruit for. And then there also are other types of resources, uh, things that the staff need to do their job that uh, can be hard to come by. What are some of the ways that you've tackled these resource challenges in your roles? It's such an important question and topic. But first, I'll start with uh, physicians. I think that as healthcare delivery systems, and that to me is whether it's pharma, healthcare, uh, traditional organizations like acute care and in clinics, is that we have to partner better. And I think differently in terms of access for residents and creating those spots for residencies, as well as as well as specialty residency programs that are both in and out of your traditional academic facilities, but while still partnering with academic uh, facilities. That also helps us keep um, residents that are from maybe those more rural areas, maybe in those locations to serve patients. But I think really partnering with our medical schools to open up, and yes, we need funding for that, there, there's no doubt. I would also say that in our nursing schools, in our mid-level or our advanced practice uh, programs is also allowing access for those students and growing our nurses in our facilities, right, to become APPs. I think that and fostering that growth to then retain them to care for our patients is also remains extremely important when it comes to staffing, partnering, and, and most of us do. I'm not going to say that we don't, but most of us are so used to maybe just whatever new nurse program spots that are, but really asking the school, partnering with our elected officials to get funding for more nurse spots for new nurses. And then, of course, allowing them access in the system to, to learn and to grow and then also to stay and incentivizing them to stay. I think those are some of the really key uh, things that we need to continue to work on. I would also say there's a lot of opportunity for career growth if we approach our workforce that are looking to grow and providing access to them. I agree that there's such an opportunity to identify what is it that makes a nurse tick and what is it that gets that nurse excited about their work such that they want to come to work, you help them to thrive. And then you encourage them to have a lifelong 
commitment to working at this organization versus dealing with the churn that so many organizations see with nurses. Are there any examples you can share in terms of ways that you've helped to create that culture where nurses are excited and happy with the work environment such that they want to stay? And we're seeing this just continue to pivot in terms of what people, what professionals and what caregivers need. And I throw this blanket term out there, but we really had to work on our work-life balance for our staff. And whether it's alternative work schedules, whether it is, it is, I, I like to say more than just doing pizza for our staff. And it's that it's also the camaraderie, right? And it's our new, new team members and integrating them. And it's, it's not just a one page to retention. It, there's multiple ways to do it in the walls and out of the walls of the organizations. But I would first start by saying everybody's an individual and we as leaders need to partner one-on-one -on -one and understand what each person needs because maybe our newer coming, our newer workforce, or I should say those individuals coming into the workforce at a younger age may want something very different than a seasoned caregiver. And so really understanding that and then really trying to make a conceited effort to make that happen because that is how we're going to retain. I think this is an interesting point. And one of the things that I've been thinking about recently is the fact that we have issues with experience on both the provider side as well as on the patient side. Right, so we're just talking about some of the ways that we can improve the experiences for nurses and other clinical staff such that they want to stay, that you can retain staff and have a better work environment. Obviously, there also are so many things that health systems can be doing to improve the experience for patients such that those patients want to come to a particular health system to get their care. How do you see those goals? experience for the providers and experience for the patients coexisting. Can you do both or do you have to prioritize one or the other when you are thinking about where to spend your money and resources in a large healthcare organization? So again, a great question. But with that being said, is absolutely to answer it. And that is, is that the patients and our physicians are our customers. And so we as team members need to look at it in that light is that without each other, without our patients, without our physicians and our APPs, we don't have healthcare delivery. And so we all need one another. And also we need to continue to emphasize that more and more every day, physicians and especially our patients have choices of where they're going to receive care, how they're going to receive care and why. And so it is so important that we all keep that in mind. And I've been a part of cultures, of course, that do keep this in mind. And, and when you respect one another and when you feel appreciated for your role and for your journey in the system, if you will, that in itself is a part of the culture, right? And receiving um, one another. I want to shift gears for a moment and talk about technology. I'm sure in your various roles, you've had many experiences where you've been part of an implementation of a technology solution to interface with the care delivery operations. 
What have you seen to be the most successful ways to integrate technology into clinical practice? What made that particular technology a success? This has just remained on the tip of my tongue for a few years now. I'm going to answer it this way, and that is tell all things tell. When we experienced COVID and truly the shutdown of uh, person-to-person interaction, I think that this technology, while it was out there, I think just absolutely grew ninefold, right? In terms of the need and also systems to include the one that I was in, really doubling down very quickly to be able to use teletechnology to provide care. And I will also uh, just say that same with state legislation in terms of reimbursement to make sure that that systems got reimbursed for this. So I would say that in itself really changed a lot of healthcare delivery in terms of technology. And also, I would say in a very short time that it also got better. And we also realized very quickly some of the challenges for certain populations that could not use tele. And I think we learned a lot from that. I also think that we learned a lot from coming out of COVID, the advantages and disadvantages of tele. And so I think that there's a lot that uh, surround that. I would also say, without a doubt, everyday AI. Um, I think AI is going to make um, certain aspects of healthcare delivery easier. I, I would also hope for patients, uh, of course, with uh, streamlining and using AI to, as a technology to, to do that. I'm curious, have you had any experiences over the past year where you've seen AI successfully improve the work of a clinical staff member or improve the experience for a patient? What, what was that example? I would say more recently, I've seen it in the newer settings in terms of finding potential errors in clinical documentation is a really good example. I would also say that on the billing side, that there is more and more every day to optimize billing that is coming forward. And to me, those are two really great starts in terms of AI technology and healthcare. Now, on the other side of technology experiences are those that didn't go well, right? Those where an organization tries to use technology to accomplish something and it's just not successful, whether that's because of lack of adoption by providers or patients or other operational challenges. Tell me about one experience you had with technology that didn't go well. I would say one bit of technology is you still cannot replace a person delivering care. You can't replace somebody sitting at the bedside and holding your hand as a patient. And you can't replace that human contact while you're in the four walls of the organization. And so I've seen technology rolled out to provide that in terms of watching the patient. And I've seen it be well received and go well. And then I've also seen that technology used where it has not gone so well, whether it's staff adoption and understanding the value and or from a patient's perspective that it just didn't seem to have that human interaction. Patients are very complex, right? For us to assume technology can correctly interpret and understand exactly what's going on, that's a lot to ask for. I agree with you that I I think there are many things that technology can do very well, but it's also important to understand 
some of the limitations, right? And some of the places where, at least as of now, people are in a better position to make some of these important decisions about care for patients. Absolutely. Uh, this to our last question, as uh, we begin this new year, what are you most excited about professionally in 2024? I'm really excited to see where certain things take healthcare delivery, especially access, and improve it. Whether it's AI technology to improve those that are delivering care to make their lives easier, meaning using the tool to the AI tools to do that. Number two, I would say that as we continue out of the COVID era is really having our teams re-engaged over the next year in terms of becoming passionate and re-engaging in that passion to deliver care. I think this is the year for that. And I think that people are looking forward to that. And I think that those are two mainstays that I'm very much looking forward to. Said and a great way to close us out. Thank you so much, Rick, for your time today. I really appreciate the insights you shared with me and our listeners. Until next time, everyone. Thanks for listening to the Memora Health Care Delivery Podcast. For more ideas on simplifying complex care for care teams and patients, visit memorahealth.com.